Hello, welcome to another episode of the Open World Podcast. I'm on location again today at a hotel, uh, which I've been doing quite a few of the podcasts in recently, and uh, the Wi-Fi has been out because we had a recent storm at my condo, and it's been out for a couple of weeks, actually, so I apologize in advance if there's some uh, background noise, coffee grinder, or uh, chairs moving around here, but I'm really excited for today's episode because I'm joined by a new friend, Anthony Chansamuth, and he's the founder of simplecreativemarketing.com. He's a marketing consultant, small business advisor, and podcaster. He's trained over a 1,000 business leaders across 14 countries. He's worked in developing countries such as Laos, where uh, he's empowered over 500 students, both in, in Laos, Sydney, uh, other places like Toronto, and he's appeared on Network 10 in Antel Magazine and at TEDx Telstra, Sydney, He's also a regular contributor for Huffington Post, and he's also been something of a nomad. He's been traveling quite a bit, just returned from Vietnam. He's launched cross-border initiatives such as Design for Change in Laos and Warrior Women. He's also passionate about helping creatives, entrepreneurs, and change makers to become influencers online so they can make a bigger impact. Really focuses on content marketing, helping people get better with their content marketing and identifying what they're doing wrong. So I'm excited to pick his brain. Uh, welcome, Anthony. Just wanted to say thank you for being here. It's quite a busy morning over here in Thailand, but don't let that turn you off. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Danny. Glad to be here. So tell me how this all fits together. Tell me about your backstory. And um, you were born in Laos, is that right? Yeah, I was. I was born in, in Laos during wartime or just around the end of the Vietnam War. Uh, my family then escaped the country like when I was one and they, they, we were in a refugee camp for about six months in, in Thailand and then ended up in Sydney, Australia, uh, where I grew up and went to school and uh, you know, became who I am. I spent the most part of my life, so 30, 36 or something years. Um, in Australia before then, before I got the uh, the big trouble bug, and that caught me, and then I started to take on the world. How have your sets of experiences uh, coming from Laos and and then going to a different culture like in Australia? How has that shaped who you are, and how has it molded your thinking? Great question. Uh, I remember uh, when I was in. I think I was in fourth grade, and there was this writing contest that was, you know, promoted in the school and my buddy who was the top of the class, uh, he submitted a, a, a bit of prose that he wrote and um, encouraged me to, to join him. And I, I was writing this piece about what I called East meets, East meets West. Uh, and it was all about basically my experience of getting into school. I it wasn't fourth grade, it was in high school. Um, it was seventh grade. And uh, it was all about, I was exploring this, multiple identity thing because I was really confused. I, at home, I was following the practices of my parents and my family, you know, the Lao traditions and these sort of things. Um, but then at school and with my friends, I was Aussie. You know, I sound like an Aussie. I grew up Australian. I was eating meat pies and um, Vegemite and this kind of thing. Uh, but I was torn because I didn't know I was finding my, my identity. And I at, and to, to answer your question, I, when I was around 16, uh, I just stopped hanging out with my family. I didn't go to family outings. I didn't go meet my cousins. I didn't do any of that stuff. Um, and whilst I went through university um, for a good six or seven years, I avoided anything to do with the Lao culture, right? Um, and it wasn't until 2009 when my mother passed away uh, with cancer that 
I felt, and I was living in Montreal at the time, uh, that I felt this this tremendous urge to go to Laos. Uh, and I went to, I went over there. I, I took a flight uh, one way, and I basically spent the next ten months over there exploring my identity, my roots, the Lao culture, um, and you know how that's. Even though I wasn't, you know, I avoided it for a long time. It was still deeply ingrained in who I was and the way I appeared in the world. Um, and, and a lot of that, like the, the community service work that I do and, and then the, the charity work and the non-profit stuff and the social enterprise stuff you mentioned, design, design for change, um, all of that was volunteer. And that came from growing up with this, you know, uh, partly Buddhist belief of generosity and giving and kindness. Um, but that was really the model of that was my mother and my auntie and my grandmother. Uh, and they were just these some tremendous community builders and spent so much time and energy giving to others. Uh, and that just became a natural way of being for me. Uh, and I didn't realize that. So this, this wasn't a thing that I was aware of all the time. It didn't click in my mind until uh, I think it was two, you know, maybe three or four years ago when I was sitting in a personal development seminar uh, and then just went, wow, talk about big influences that, came from those three women uh, and then that gave me the uh, the drive to to work on empowering women and helping uh, women achieve their dreams uh, and that's how Warrior Women Mastermind was created and you mentioned that at the beginning and that's a retreat that I created last November in Laos to help there was two objectives one was to actually help uh, empower these women who are coming from western world uh and in Laos, so it gave them time to be away from the grind, uh, connect with each other so they got a sense of community and support. Uh, and then they were able to really just get clarity on their visions of what they wanted in the world and what they wanted to create. And at the same time we were doing that, we were also uh, raising money to support children in Laos who were in the rural areas who couldn't read. Um, and so, you know, part of the proceeds that we, the, the money that we raised went to uh, donating to that cause and that nonprofit, they're called Big Brother Mouse, and they do great work publishing books in Lao language. Uh, and they go out and they basically del- deliver them um, to the schools in the rural areas where access to resources like books is quite a challenge. Yeah, I remember going to Laos. Uh, I mean, I've been to Luang Prabang three times, and the last time I've actually been to a lot of the different little villages out, you know, in the middle of nowhere, and. I remember reading a book, like, it was called My Life on the Mountain. It was at one of these hotels, and it was just written by a guy who grew up in one of these villages, and and how they, you know, they could see Luang Prabang from their village or whatever, and they asked them, you know, what are those big buildings out there in the distance? And they're big towers made out of stone, you know, and Luang Prabang's not a very big town, you know, compared to other places in the world, and, and they would see, you know, like, airplanes go by, and they would ask, they would have all these legends about airplanes, you know, that it would it would take the kids away and they would never come back again, you know, and there are all these like yeah. little legends and stuff. And, and they still practice like a lot of shamanistic uh, tendencies and things like this, you know, for medicine and stuff like that. So it's, they do, they do. Yeah. And there's a lot of, a lot of, um, call it beliefs around, you know, spirit, the spirit world. And like you said, you know, the plane will come and abduct you, but there's also the spirits will come and take you. And um, so there's these beliefs that run out in those you know, areas that um, will impact young children. Girls, for example, you know, get pregnant early. They, they you know, I think I, I 
did some research around the literacy figures and numbers, and yeah. most kids will uh, won't get past like second grade because they end up working in the farms and um, you know they go help the parents and the family, but they don't get the, they don't they don't get education, they don't know how to read, they don't learn English, uh, and so they can't move to the big city and work, and they can't you know break out of that poverty cycle, uh, and so that's yeah, and that's one of the things that I learned whilst I was living over there, and and I really wanted to help with that. I think I read in that book that a lot of the the couples are uh, the marriages are arranged at like age thirteen, something like this. I think. Yeah, it's yeah, very that's young. pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah. interesting. I mean, I, I still think there's a lot like you can learn going to a place like Laos. I mean, I've heard it said that Laos is one of the last quiet places on the on the planet. Um, look at where I'm at at Bangkok. You know, it's definitely not quiet here. But <laughs> uh, so I'm curious, you know, like how as your experience as a third culture kid, you know, you first leaned towards your Australian heritage, um, but then you also started to adopt your parents' culture. Um, how has integrating those two uh, identities helped you as an entrepreneur and helped you in your career? Uh, oh, great question. And I, I feel that it's given me a real sense of empathy for other cultures. I mean, even beyond the Lao culture and the Australian culture, it, it definitely helped me the, the travel and the, the experience of r- removing myself from a specific location and going somewhere else in the world uh, opened my eyes to, you know, just different ways of thinking and belief systems. And I, and I know you speak about this in your book and the books that you've, you've written, um, but certainly this is why we travel. I think there's a part of us that... Uh, you know, innately understands or feels that the environment that we grow up in isn't necessarily just that's how it is everywhere else. Um, and there's so much more to explore in our lifetimes. Uh, so for me, how to, you know, like, uh, to be able to go and appreciate and understand, hey, you know, I've got a good, you know, the fact that I've got a laptop and, you know, it's a, you know, whatever, Macintosh and it's worth a couple of thousand dollars or whatever. Um, and I've got a roof over my head and, you know, I've got the ability to go, like, I don't take for granted that I come from privilege. The fact that I can go and take a flight and go to northern Laos and, and run a retreat over there or uh, go and spend three weeks in Vietnam, you know, going to Halong Bay and different places around. Um, like that's we're in, we are in the, you know, 5% or the 1% of the world that can do it, right? So there's a lot of people out there who can't do that. And for them, their way of being is, is to me, it's just like I've a big part of um, the motivation I've had in the last, particularly in the last Five years has been actually slowing down the pace of my life. Um, I was living in Sydney and then Toronto, uh, you know, even in Vientiane was very, like, they're bustling cities, right, at different levels. Uh, I've visited New York and I've just been to Tokyo and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, we we behave like we're machines, but we're not. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and, we, we're, and we're doing it to feel an economic system that, you know, wins for some people, but not for the majority. And I think if we're, if we're not careful with that, we end up, you know, living a life by default. I think Michael Hyatt refers it to that uh, yeah. in that way. Um, and I just, I had a wake up moment. I had, a, you know, my wake up moment came in 2006 when I ended up in hospital with a brain surgery. Right, and I've been working in corporate for ten years, uh, and then realized, oh my gosh, that, you know, there's so much more than just being a slave to my job, to my laptop, and uh, you know, making profit for someone else's pocket. And I wasn't seeing the benefit of that. I mean, yeah, my, I had a, an apartment in Sydney; it was nice, and I was single for four years. You know, uh, 
didn't really have a chance to live my life and and where I'm arriving at now is this strong sense of giving back and, and um, you know this community and and building a community and sharing what I know and and being real with that with uh, you know a lot of my time is spent reading about failures in uh, with uh, um from entrepreneurs <laughs> it's actually reading about you know where people are uh, they, this illusion that it's easy to be an entrepreneur uh, uh, that you know and um yes there are the elon musks and the, and there's the bransons out there in the world but they're really a minority and, and you know for a lot of people i think the stats i don't know what the stats are but <clears throat> i've heard one stat flow you know being thrown around one in one in or two out of three will fail in the first three years um small businesses in australia uh, i don't know what the numbers are in the u.s and everywhere else but you know that's to me shocking it's like well why is that the case and why don't we talk more about the other things that are going on like depression and anxiety and suicide and relationships falling apart and uh you know and people struggling i was my last business i was with a business partner uh this was 2012 for two years we were together we built a brand we built a reputation we got onto stages and you know had the the, the outside would outward appearance that we were doing well right um we were generating maybe five five to ten k um in revenue each month but we were living in like at home on couches right um on the floor like we were not making money um for ourselves you know and that was a huge takeaway for me was yeah if you're going to design the lifestyle you want uh you want to make sure that you pay yourself as well like that's that's kind of important um and i love what you know you talk about in 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 your book um by an island you know like the the concept that it's not a time for money exchange you know and that's what i'm really working hard at right now is okay i'm 37 i'm feeling my energy starting to wane um, and this might sound ridiculous to some of the people on here who are listening and they're going well i'm 60 and i'm still vibrant and that's cool uh but for me it's like i feel i've got a probably a good 10 years of going hard at something before i'm done like i'm spent you know 40, 50 years of my life on the planet. Um, and I just want to chill, man. Like I, I, I want to be like you sitting in, in a hotel in Bangkok and be like, hey, I'm loving my life. Uh, I, I don't want to be um, working for the man or someone else and, and building someone else's dreams, but not my own. <laughs> you gave me so many talking points in that uh, narrative that you just, I, I mean, there's so many things I can touch on here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know where to begin, but... Uh, I've been thinking about a lot of the things you just said recently, uh, like last day or two, and here in Bangkok, it's the exact same thing. You know, everyone's part of this system. Uh, you know, everyone is told by the society here what a good Thai citizen should be, what they should do. And I just see people like on the BTS, you know, the SkyTrade here, and they're just totally like zoned out, you know, going to work every morning and getting back late, and they just have no time for anything else, no time to focus on themselves. Mm. And, you know, everyone's like looking serious and upset all the time. And I'm on the sky train this morning, you know, trying to wake myself up. I'm like juggling on the train, you know. Yeah. And I like to just like start dancing, you know, start breaking into dance sometimes. And just like I feel great when I do that stuff. And I feel like everyone else is just kind of locked in this this routine. When I just feel really grateful that I don't have to commute or do anything. I don't have to show up at a certain time. Except when I have to do a podcast interview with Anthony. Uh, <laughs> But but to add to some other things you said, like I also feel very privileged, you know, uh, for all of the experiences I've had up until this point. Like this weekend, I visited an orphanage, and these kids, you know, they had the worst ticket in life. Like they 
not only were abandoned, you know, and in this orphanage, but 90% of them are also disabled. And, you know, at first it was like, I go there and, because my friend invited me to volunteer, and I just, at first I was really, like, upset, you know, and, and saddened and, uh, and disappointed that these kids, you know, were given this hand. Um, and then, you know, of course I, I feel privileged that I can at least walk, you know, that I uh, have a, a brain that functions normally. Um, but then, you know, these kids, like, even though they're in this situation where they can't even walk, like, they still, I don't know, they still have this strength that, that us as adults, we don't have. You know, they, they still manage to, to smile and laugh, and, you know, they, they're so polite and so kind to all the visitors. And I just felt like it was, it was such a powerful wake-up call, you know, like, what else, could, what could I be, possibly be upset about in my life? I feel so privileged that I have the ability to, to dance, you know, and, and make myself <laughs> feel well. Uh, yeah, man, it just really kind of put things in perspective for me. I think that's, that's super valuable that you do that and take the time to do that. And anyone listening to this, I would highly, highly encourage you. And it doesn't take you having to go overseas to have that experience, right? Like you, you can just go hang out with some elderly people, um, you know, some dis- disabled people, the, the poor, the homeless, whatever. There's those, those challenges exist in our societies. Um, and it's more about, you know, like they're real. Let's not pretend that they're not there. Um, and if you really want to see like how lucky you are in your life and what you have, uh, you know, I would say even, even if you're listening to this podcast, you know, like the fact that you can have the access to ability to do that, you're already doing way better than 95% of the world. Right. Um, and so for me, it's coming back to that question that you asked earlier, Danny, like how did, how does all this cultural experience, how does it translate to business and how does it help me? Like for me, uh, what I realized and the thing that kind of hit home for me very recently is that everyone has a story to tell, right? No matter where you are in society, right, in terms of uh, material wealth or, you know, political affiliation, whatever it is, everyone has a, like their, your journey, your life is valuable. It's precious. It, it's, it's, it's limited in terms of time. <laughs> um, and these are all commonalities. We all share this, right? Uh, and we all have the ability to really take a look at where we are and then make choices around those. Now, some are more lucky than others, okay? I'm not going to go and say, well, you know, those who are growing up in war-torn areas have it, like, you know, like, like they made the choice to be there. That's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, but I have gr- tremendous appreciation for my parents who, when they were, when I was one, you know, six months old, decided we're going to leave this country that we grew up with. They spent, you know, 30-something years of their life in this one place. Uh, and we're going to jump on a on a plane. They weren't boat people. They were on a plane um, and came across to Australia, to a land where they couldn't speak the language, had no idea what to expect, right, had very little money uh, and just went, that would be a better choice for us to have for our son uh, and for us, you know, to have a better life. Uh, and they left everyone behind. And that was a huge thing. When I went back over there, you know, when my mother passed away and I started meeting the relatives and I went to the villages where my dad grew up and where my mother grew up uh, and just, you know, I walked into the house that my mother grew up in and, and, and saw the walls and I saw this room which was, you know, if you you think of the, of the size of a cafe, uh, it's probably one corner, you know, of that, that size of a cafe um, and, that, you know, eight kids slept on the ground with mosquito nets, 
right? Uh, and, and dealing with the heat. I mean, you've been in Long Prabang, you've been in those regions when in the summer, or not in the summer, in the, in the hot months, uh, it can get really hot, right? And, and they didn't have air con, they didn't have fans and these kind of things that we have, the luxuries that we have now. Uh, and and yet, so for me, it's like, Despite these yeah. situations, like, you know, like someone listening to this would look at that and they would look down on them, they would pity them, but these people are also very happy with what they have. Yes. And that's exactly where I was going. Like it's, you know, you, you, one of the most brilliant things that a friend of mine shared with me, this is one of the reasons I started traveling. A friend of mine went to Cambodia, uh, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And it was his first time going back. Like his family were from there. Uh, and he said, you know, I've seen the poorest kids, the poorest people I've ever seen in my life. They were running around. His kids ran out of no shirts. It was raining, but they were just having just such tremendous joy. And they were like so generous to him and, and they were offering him, you know, food and things, whatever that little ha- things they had, um, they were there. And for them, it was just a way of life. And, and I completely agree with you, Danny. It's, you know, we can look at that and go, wow, that seems terrible, but it's not. <laughs> it's, it's really context and, and it's, it's environment. But I think coming back to that, you know, how does this relate to business? One thing that I've learned for myself is environment dictates performance, okay? And this is something that one of my mentors says a lot. Uh, and, and it's all about, you know, where you spend your time physically and emotionally um, will affect how what you create in the world and, and how successful you are in whatever your endeavors are, right? So if you're surrounded by really negative people and everyone's, you know, like whinging about work and how, you know, their, their job sucks, guess what? You're probably going to have the same, you know, just just by being around them, you're going to feel crappy and you're not going to love your life. <laughs> but then you go out and you travel. And I, I did backpacking, you know, I went backpack through Europe uh, in 2004 with four of my mates and uh, three of my mates. And we spent, we spent two months over there uh, and just be like, oh, my gosh, people in Amsterdam just sit on the street in the cafes and they don't look at each other. They look at the street. <laughs> you know, all the chairs are facing outward. Um, it's like, what the, what's that about? And then we, end, we ended up in Greece and it was like uh, siesta from 11 a.m. all the way to 4 p.m. And we were trying to buy beer. And I was like, what the heck? Where's everyone gone? And you know, people are sleeping and, and just enjoying their family time. Uh, <laughs> and, and you go, like people I, people, I think people in Europe and in Asia and these sort of areas, they get something that we don't get in, in the busy, hectic Western world, um, which is, you know, that life and, and precious moments like that are to be savored, um, you know, uh, and you want to, like the relationships is what it's all about the people you connect with, the people you grow with, and, and those who can, you can have a conversation with and not worry about them judging you because they get it. They're just like, you know, we're here to have fun and we're here just to explore this life together, you know? So yeah. um, I take all these ideas and values and I bring them into the, the work that I do because it, marketing it creates, to me... It creates a map that, that shapes who yeah. you are, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that, so, so when I work with my clients, I go into, well, who, who are you? And I always start with the same question you, asked, you started with today. Where did you come from? And, and this is why I do Transitions Podcast as well. It's like, where do you come from? And you know, tell me about the time when you were five years old. What were you doing back then? Because there's relevance to that. And who are your parents? Because there's, it all, like, it all, um, it's like this beautiful mishmash of hot pot of, you know, goodness that we have um, that we don't realize we have, uh, but it all affects who we become and who we are today. Uh, and so for me, branding and uh, marketing and, and content, when we can connect to that place, we're understanding who we really are and what we're all about, right? Um, and who we're really serving. And so this, you know, one of the biggest problems people have 
in business is identifying who their audience is, who their target audience is. And I've got, you know, I've created a, 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 a basically a, um, a process and a, and a worksheet to help people get through it. It's, you know, it's on my site and it's free and whatever. But um, that there I know is once you get clarity around that and you get clarity around what your brand really is all about um, and then your business has more chance of opportunity to succeed because you're being real to who you are, what you're trying to do and what skills you have and how, who you can serve. Uh, and, and that, you know, this all comes from in a very indirect way, but it comes from this experience that I've had, you know, globe trotting and, 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 um, doing crazy things like running flash mobs in Sydney and free hugs in Toronto and, um, Montreal <laughs> and, and, uh, crazy things like you're talking about, you know, I've done no pants subway rides in the middle of winter in Toronto, <laughs> <laughs> <No> <laughs> um, <laughs> just so I could connect to other human beings. Like, I think we crave it, you know, like we crave like all this internet and social media is, is great at the same time. It's making us far more lonely and far more depressed. You know, yeah, there's, there's this there's research around strange. that. Yeah. It's not, and it's not just that. It's like a way of living your life. Like, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately because you mentioned 95% of people, you know, don't seek other points of view, you know, don't get out of their own little shell. And something happens when we become adults, you know, when we come out of college fresh with ideas. We think we have life figured out. And I think those 95% of people become so rigid in their beliefs that they aren't willing to consider the other side of the argument, aren't able to empathize with other ideas, other ways of living, other ways of doing things. And that's kind of what travel, I guess, kind of helps open you up to, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Because, it just takes explore... any preconceived notions you have and it throws it out the window. <laughs> exactly. As you, as you go more into unfamiliar territory, your positions become less rigid. You know, I don't care about religion or politics much anymore. I don't care about sports teams anymore. And I just want to say that anyone listening to this, you know, take what Anthony and I are sharing and take it with a grain of salt. You know, don't just come to conclusions based on what we're saying here. Go out there and seek out your own new experiences on your own that shape your own thinking. You know, go seek what we sought rather than just taking answers from what we're sharing with you now. Go out and experience it for yourself. And there's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Danny, there's a beautiful mental model. I know you love mental models, and I know <laughs> um, it's a mental process, a thought process that that I was given or gifted in one of these many i've done like hundreds of personal development seminars and reading books and videos and stuff um and there's one that, that really gets me when it comes to exploring this idea around what your you know preconceived notions are and your even like subconscious beliefs around certain things are is to to look at a topic that's in the world or that's present in your life or something that's really bugging you or pissing you off or stressing you out and then take and it, you know if it's coming from another political party another person in your life or, or you know an influence that's on tv or in the news or on social media or whatever take a moment to then switch into their stance for a second and argue three reasons why they're right right so if you have an enemy or uh you know something that's really challenging you right the, the 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 opportunity here is to go. Wait a minute. I'm going to suspend everything that I believe about this to be true, uh, and because you know uh, whatever we think is true, it's, a, it's just a perspective. Uh, and so what we can do is go. Well, I'm going to step out of this idea that I'm right first of all, and then I'm going to step into whatever that person and that different point of view is, and then I'm going to argue back to myself you know, three reasons why they're correct. And it's an interesting, it's a challenging process because it, it requires that you actually confront your own BS, 
and and really understand what is running through your mind um, and your heart because you know you might for example I'll give you a real one that really pushes everyone everyone's walls and the argument take this as as an argument and, and an exercise what if we said that Hitler was right for doing what he did right and then I would I would I encourage you to think about three reasons why what Hitler did to the world and for the world was actually a good thing and not a bad thing. Okay. Um, and some people listening to this might go, what the F, right? Um, Hitler was an idiot. Like he, he, he literally massacred millions of people. Sure. Okay. But, all right, there's a, something that the world learned from that as well. Okay. Um, and throw it to today's time and we've got this guy called, you know, Donald Trump in the US doing some really crazy things. Right. Um, but he's winning He's winning and he's most likely becoming America's next president. Okay. Why is that happening? All right. Now, I'm not, I'm not a political guy. I don't jump into political conversations. Um, but I'm curious about how people think about certain issues that are happening in, in their communities, in their lives, in the world. And I'm all about challenging those and, and just being able to develop your own, you know, ideas around things. Uh, and like you say, Danny, to be able to step out of your own bubble if you will and then just explore other opportunities out there what was it that socrates said uh famously over two thousand years ago he said that i'm the wisest man alive because i know one thing and i know that i know nothing yes absolutely (laughs) totally with that and that was one of the wisest you know classical thinkers was socrates you know he influenced so many uh Greek classical thinkers like Aristotle and Plato, he was their teacher. And, and those guys were mental. They were nuts and they were you know, depressed and suicidal and they drank, th- they drank stuff and they weren't the best model healthy people in the world. Um, but they were operating at a different level in terms of their you know, belief systems and consciousness. Absolutely. And, you know, I was thinking as, you know, when you were sharing your experiences backpacking through Europe, I was thinking back to experiences I had, like when I first went to my first lunch in Argentina, for example, and just remember like sitting there for like 30 minutes, like when is the waiter going to come, you know, and the lunch ended up taking like two hours, like what the heck is going on here, you know, and I learned something, you know, just from those early travels, like when I went to Mexico for two months and uh, I was staying with the lady Maria, she owned this guest house, and she said, you're a product of your culture, and I had to shake off these American you know, American culture is very hardworking, very sacrificial, self-sacrificing. Um, and we're often, you know, stressed about things that are not happening here. You know, they're happening hundreds of miles away. And that's kind of where I was. You know, I wasn't focused on, like, she was saying, like, I didn't even wash my dishes or something because I was thinking about something, you know, with a, with a client <laughs> or something like this. And so, like, you know, that kind of shook me up a little bit. And lessons that I learned from, you know, other cultures that have shaped me into who I am. Um, and, and, yeah, like I said, you know, I think it's, 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 you know, how we draw this back to entrepreneurship. Because when I, before I went to, you know, South America, like, I was so in my head and I was so focused on myself and my goals and what I was trying to do. And I looked at everyone else, you know, spinning the wheels and I kind of, like, despised a lot of people, you know, like, like, look at them, you know, doing things that are harmful to them, that are, you know, against their interests, that are hurting themselves and society and their future, 
you know, whether it's a nine to five job. Um, I remember like these pickup artist communities where they call anyone else who's not part of it, they call them an average frustrated chump, you know? There's this kind mm -hmm. of like, there's this kind of thing where you look down on everybody else because they're mediocre. And, and when I started to travel, I realized, you know, like this is my problem that I'm carrying around. And rather than despising, you know, people that are hurting themselves, learn to sympathize, learn to empathize, learn to feel compassion. And how can I help lift people up if they're coming from a pain, a place of pain and unhappiness. And that's a real superpower, I think, to have as any entrepreneur, to be able to step out of your own head and go into someone else's mind, get into someone else's shoes, and be able to experience what their perspective is like. I agree 100% with that, Danny. I feel that if there's one thing that being an entrepreneur, has, you know, or becoming one, uh, has really taught me it's that you know starting your own business is a, a really great way to become a better human uh, and that's because you're forced to talk to people right now we shared you know we had a conversation about this earlier yesterday um, you know which uh, it, it resonates with me because it, for me it, it's there's always focus on, you know, the, the latest apps that are out there and uh, everything's online and we've got iTunes and we've got, you know, the, the video revolution and YouTube and all these things that are happening online. Uh, but it, when it, the most successful businesses, you know, like I think of the, I've, I've literally interviewed hundreds of business owners over the past three, four, four years. Uh, and the ones that are I consider have done really well and have set themselves up for financial freedom. And, um, it's more, it's even more than that. Like I've spoken to uh, a multimillionaire. This is one of my mentors who he got, you know, he, he basically climbed, like he set a goal and said, I know with an X number of years, I'm going to go and I'm going to be on the stage speaking with the Richard Branson and Tony Robbins and um, Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, uh, and these guys. And he made that happen. He achieved it, right? He had the, he had, he had the bank account to, to, um, to say, yep, uh, he'd made it, right? Um, and then that's, that's what a lot of us aspire to be. It's like, oh, it'd be great when I've got that multi-million dollar or, or business or whatever it is. Uh, and what he said to me was, once I hit that goal, I felt empty because, you know, there was more to what I realized was there's more to life and being here than simply those, you know, those type of goals, right? Uh, and it's not the first person. There's another, uh, I've spoken to several people now who've said the same thing, right? I had one, one guy I interviewed, uh, I didn't interview, interview him, I just I had a conversation with him and he exited his business and sold it for, I don't know, something like $10 million. Um, they got bought out. And he said what he did with the money, well, his part of the money that they got, he put it in a bank account and he didn't touch it for a year because uh, he said, I didn't want to become an asshole. Uh, you know, I just wanted to really focus on, well, now what? What's next? Um, and he said that year, following the, you know, what we consider a big success, uh, what we might consider that, he said it was the most like the the worst year of his life uh, because he, he realized again that money is not the goal, right? Um, that it's not the objective. It's it's a byproduct of doing something great, um, but he wanted to be of more service and more value to people in the world. And and that's that's where I'm coming from and how I operate as well. 
you know, of learning to do that is to really look at, well, it's not about just creating a product and putting it online and then selling it and getting recurring revenue. Um, it's actually, the product's got to be freaking amazing. It's actually got to help people transform their lives in some way. It's got to help them solve a, a real problem. And the only way I can work out what that is, we call it, you know, in the startup world, we call it a validation. Um, but a lot of people, you know, in these, this, this huge thing that's going around at the moment, I'm sure you've come across them, Danny, um, this idea of doing a, uh, you know, a full weekend, um, what do they call them? The, you know, startup weekend. Uh, and, you know, basically you get in there, you, you, you have an idea, you, you spend the weekend validating it, you pitch it to a bunch of potential investors and you might get some money, you might get some prizes, whatever. Um, but you kind of come out, come out with a concept of, of a business idea and then you also have uh, a team that can help, you know, potentially build it. Uh, the one thing that, that I've seen with these things is everyone, most, most people who are going through these programs and whatnot are afraid to pick up the phone or get on the street and talk to real people. They're afraid to, you know, they idealize and they sort of envision this is who my target audience or target market is, um, but it's more of a wish list of who they, they want it to be. It's actually not the people who would actually, you know, who actually needs what they're offering or, or, uh, and that's a big gap, you know, and that's why businesses fail because you're not actually serving the client as well as you should be. You're serving yourself, uh, I know we've kind of gone longer way. Like exactly. we've gone off. Yeah, but, but I think that's, that's – I'm just flying. And, and that's, that's what I've seen a lot, you know, what's been happening with, with, with people that I'm working with right now. Um, and that's – and my advice to them is always stop playing around, stop posting shit on Facebook, pick up the phone, get in front of real people, right? Like just get in front of – sit down with your existing clients if you have those, spend 20 minutes on the phone with them or on Skype or whatever and say, tell me really what's going on for you. You know, uh, and have real direct conversations. It seems like we have this we have this fear of having real conversations now, and that's something. What I'm, I know, I love what you said, like what you do, Danny, and that's you practice something new every week. My practice at the moment is having more authentic conversations, right? Having real conversations, not the how hi how are you. It's I want to know like what's working in your life, what's not working, right? And how can we support each other to make it better? You know. Um, and, and yeah, a lot of what I'm doing, uh, what, you know, who calls it what printers, they're not really entrepreneurs that they're, they're, they're just trying to be, <laughs> cause it's cool to be an entrepreneur right now. Exactly. Uh, it's it's what people want to identify with. And then they join these communities of entrepreneurs and they call themselves entrepreneurs, but they're, they're more interested in the identity of being an entrepreneur rather than being results oriented. And yes. entrepreneurs who are results oriented are the ones who are actually shaking things up and changing the world. Yeah, because in your results, this comes back to the whole, this marketing thing. And this is what I'm saying to my, my current group yeah. of people going through my course right now. It's like, don't, don't go out in the world and try and say, I'm the greatest. Let your results say that for you. You know, let your, once you help, you know, like even just five people or one person go out and, and do something great for them, uh, and they go, wow, because of Danny or because of Ant or because of whoever, whatever, you know, um, this thing changed for me, uh, then then you've got your ambassador, you've got your advocate, your marketing has begun, right? Um, because it's like this was the transformation that they got and people are looking for transformation right now. Always have been. Yeah. Well, we've, we've been hopping around a lot here. So we, um, we, we talked about goals. We talked about having conversations, understanding people, empathy. I like to call it uh, performing a Vulcan mind meld, 
where you're actually able to get into the head of another person. You know, I like yes. these, you know, I like these metaphors to kind of neatly uh, uh, indicate certain abstract concepts. <laughs> um, we also talked about goals too and results, and I wanted to comment on that too because um, you know, like thinking of like a results-oriented entrepreneur, like Elon Musk, for example, he's like the trendy mm-hmm. one to talk about. Uh, his goal is to create a colony on Mars, for example, but. You know, you mentioned how some of these people have these goals and they achieve them and they don't necessarily feel any happiness. And I, I want to th- you know, chime in there because I think that it's not always about the goal. I love to set goals, you know, because it gives me a direction for what I need to focus on. But it's not always about the goal. It's, it's sometimes it's about who you become as a result of that journey. And life is really, you know, there's a couple of quotes that I love. Life is a series of commas, not periods. And then there's also one, uh, Winston Churchill says that success is not final. Failure is not fatal, and that's that's really great because it's it's really about you as a, yourself, kind of in this personal journey that kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier, becoming a better version of you, becoming a better entrepreneur, learning from the experiences, learning from your successes and your failures, you know, achieving one goal or encountering a failure but never losing a step, and you know, finding how you can contribute more the next time. Would you agree with that? I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, there is a video that I saw floating around uh, online this morning, you know, which is um, it's a recording of, of Alan Watts, who's a philosopher who's no longer around, but, but it's just great recordings and, and texts that, that are online um, from him. And he, he talks about why your life is not a journey, uh, which might sound weird for many people. Uh, and I had to sort of think, wait, what's, what's he actually saying? Um, and then what he actually talks about is, you know, we consider life to be uh, going from point A to point B and, and then there's a journey, right? And so that's typically how it's, ex- it's expressed. Um, but what Alan says in his piece is, well, life is actually more like music uh, than, than, than a, a, you know, a highway from going from A to B. Think of it like with music, we play music or like dance where, where the enjoyment comes from the playing. And there's a reason why it's called playing and not working. You're not working music, you're playing music, right? Because you're having fun, you're enjoying the experience. I mean, it's, it's challenging when you're new to it and you're learning an instrument. Um, I had that experience when I was learning guitar, you know, when, when I was in school, uh, and I still suck, but I loved, I loved doing it. It's like you talking about juggling on the train, right? To learn juggling, um, it, it can be really frustrating. I've dropped the ball so many times and been pissed off and whatever, um, but it's still fun in, if you embrace being in that moment um, and if you see life and business that way where it's like it's actually – it's not an A to B and let's – you know, we only get happy when we get to B point B, uh, it's actually, you know, like playing an instrument or dancing, the the beauty of it is actually in the dance. It's actually, you know, and you can like, I've, I've uh, danced salsa for many years um, and I got into bachata and, and different Latin styles and whatnot. Uh, and that helped me develop my self-confidence, helped me connect with women. It helped me connect with other guys. It, it, it's, it's helped me with business because it's actually helped taught me this lesson that it's actually in the movement and in the learning and creativity of it that that's where we get, certainly for myself, where I get the most fulfillment. Uh, It's in the making mistakes and going, oh, that's all right. We're just going to keep going and flowing anyway, you know, Um, and and not 
beating ourselves up because oh I screwed up I didn't get that turn right or I didn't play that 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 chord properly or you know uh, or I sung out a key right but it's interesting how we look at goals like oh we it's it's a point B we're going to get to that point B um, but we sometimes often we miss the in between the getting there and and the journey you know the progress that happens whilst we're going there and even if we don't get to that point B it's still a tremendous you know, uh, experience. Um, and I, I also, if I could share, I learned this another way, which, which I mentioned earlier, my, my mother passed away in 2009 with cancer, uh, liver cancer. She was 55 at the time. So that's, you know, that's pretty young, um, you know, in, in, in a world where most, you know, the average is around 80, 82 or 84. For women, it's 84 in Australia is the mortality rate. Um, and uh, she, you know, she was going from A to B, but she never got to B, right? Uh, and so I saw that. I said, wow, like she worked so hard working to make money, right, um, you, you know, to, to get the better house, to get the whatever, you know, she, she obviously raised, raised me and, and was a tremendous, a wonderful mother uh, and a wonderful person for her community. Um, but then I look at her life and say, well, her life was, that's really what it was all about. It was being that presence in the world, that was giving and that was caring and that was loving and that taught those values to me and my dad and my sister and my, you know, and, and her community and her colleagues. Uh, and that to me was a successful life, right? It wasn't a Richard Branson life. That's his thing, you know? Um, but certainly that was her life. Uh, and that's, that's what I look at when I'm every day, I'm looking at, well, I've got these goals, Danny, but you know, if I don't get them, that's okay. But why I want to get them is because I can, and I'm challenging myself to to do that, right? Because I actually enjoy the process of pushing myself further. Um, and but that's not for everyone, and I get that. <laughs> uh, we can talk about this topic for hours, I know. Um, <laughs> but I want to I want to transition into uh, into content marketing because that's the thing that you really enjoy focusing on the most in business and what you yes. do. And I can obviously see how everything we discussed on this call makes you a better content marketer and how 95% of people that are content marketing who are posting content online are just kind of doing the same stuff, you know, doing the same conventional, trying to fit into the crowd and doing what everyone else is doing, but maybe it's missing the target, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel it's just in a world where it's so easy to create a blog post or a social media post and just put it up and it takes you, you know, whatever, however long it takes you, uh, and everyone else is doing the same, um, you need to, to find a way to differentiate. You need to find a way to stand out. It's almost like the way I see it is if we were standing in the auditorium right now and there are a thousand people in the room with us, all right, what are you going to do? to be identified, to stand out, to be seen, you know? Are you going to start, j- jump up on the stage naked and scream and everyone was like, oh, I can see you, you know? Um, what is it that thing that you're going to do? Uh, and so when I teach content, you know, I've got basically, I'll, I'll give you a quick breakdown of, I call it the four steps to making content that rocks. Uh, and I use a, 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 an acronym, right? So I use, it's F-A-R-S, FARS, because you know, I like to think it's about going FARS, Bad English, but anyway, um, and it's uh, it's got to be findable, right? So therefore, you want to be able to optimize it for 
uh, for Google, for search engines, right? So you want to make sure it, you're using, um, you understand your keywords, you do your keyword research. This is even before you start with your content, before writing your content, right? Um, you want to get that optimized, um, make sure you're getting keywords that, that people are searching for, okay? Not what you think they're going to search for, but actually what Google tells you they're searching for, right? Um, then you want to make it attractive. So you got to use you know, engaging headlines. You want to use a feature image on, you know, particularly for blog posts and articles. You want to use feature images that stand out, that grab people visually. You know, when they're scrolling through their social media feed or, or wherever it is. You know, even your own on your website. You want to make sure that there's some really great visuals, and I can see you've done that on your website, Danny. That's really good, right? Um, you want to make your content. The third thing here is so we talked about findable, attractive. The third thing is we want to make it readable, right? So. I don't want to see, like, you know, I'm sure you guys listening to this, you don't want to go land on someone's article or, or website, you know, blog post, and there's like 10 pages of text, and that's all you see, you know, because what does that remind you of? Oh, this thing called a textbook that we, you know, looked at in school, and we hated re- those reading those things, right? Um, so why would I now want to read that on your website, right? Um, instead, you break it up. You use great visuals. You 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 use visual uh, diagrams. You know, get get someone to create infographics if that's not your skill set. You know, outsource it to someone. Find someone on Fiverr or Upwork or whatever. Um, use quotes. Take the quotes that are you know, the, the, the key messages that are inside your content piece and turn those into eye-grabbing quotes and, and use, um, you know, make, use images for that that, that are related, that, that are relevant and, and help highlight those things to the reader. Um, you also want to use headlines, um, different, you know, bold headings and, you know, what's called title tags, head one, you know, H1 or H2 tags. Um, and you want to separate the text for those who like to skim. A lot of us actually skim through content. We don't actually read the whole thing. Um, but we just, because we're all short for time, we just want to, like, we were grabbed by the headline, which is attractive, but then we read through it. We just actually, some of us just scroll through and just look for key points or key bullet points. Um, so you want to incorporate that in your content. And then the last thing I talked about is S, which is shareable. So you want to make sure that you have social sharing buttons. You want to make sure you've got, um, you know, this thing called click to tweet, which is a plugin that you can, it's free. You can use it for your WordPress site. Um, or if you don't use that, there's one called add to share, um, you know, and you want to make sure that, you're actually encouraging people to share that content out because that's how you build organic traffic, right? Um, and so they're sort of the four elements of, of what I call, you know, really um, solid content. Uh, and, you know, if you've got those things worked out, um, then you'll be doing fine. And a good example is just to go look at Danny's website. Like you've, those elements are all incorporated. I've seen that. Uh, and, and that's a really great way to build content. <laughs> So there's your four steps framework. It's F, findable, A, attractive, R, readable, and S, shareable. And That's right. I, I want to add something, if I may. Like, this is only just the basic minimum requirement to creating good content. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope absolutely. you don't mind me saying that because, because there's, you know, it, you have to be exceptional in this day and age. And, um, you know, it's like you said, you, you need to dance naked on stage to stand out. Um, you have to find ways even more to engage in uh, finding people's emotional hot buttons, you know, finding <laughs> what is, what, what are the mechanics of content that goes viral, for example. And I think something I've noticed a lot lately is that a lot of these like old guard, you know, marketing, direct marketing um, groups and organizations have it all wrong. 
you know, because they're, they're doing marketing techniques that worked like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, in like direct mail pieces. But then the people I see who are really creating viral content, like this guy Ty Lopez, for example, I just saw this video of one of his parties in Hollywood. And <laughs> to just have an invite to that party, you need to have at least 400,000 followers. You know, that was one of the requirements. And guys like this are people who are really going viral, you know, now in 2016. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I've got a couple of thoughts on that. One is, you know, um, understand, like for me, I, I don't, your attention shouldn't be to go viral. I think, if, I think your focus needs to be who's my audience. So this comes back to really understanding who your audience is. And, and I love what you said about pain points. Um, what is, what are, what's going through their mind? What's challenging them right now? Uh, and how can I, you know, put out content that actually helps them move forward with that? So, you know, what's the next step for them? Does it help them, you know, is there a, a worksheet you can give them? Does your blog post give them insights or, uh, action points that they can apply immediately. So it's got to be productive to them in some way because if they're going to give you their time, right, you want to give them something that they can actually use uh, and want to share and come back to. So it depends. Now, now this exactly. is, you know, it, you know, I'm talking from a business point of view. There's, there's purely entertainment content, right? So if you're, you know, if you're uh, uh, Kanye West or whoever it is and, and you just, just want to get people to, like, follow you, um, because you're an entertainer and you want them to eventually buy your album or something like that, and then I still feel that these principles apply. Um, I, I still feel that, you know, um, the problem is people are bored and therefore they want to be entertained, <laughs> right? Um, so, but, uh, but that's, I, that's the I, thing, though, Anthony. Like, that's, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, you're not just competing with other businesses you know, in your industry. You're competing for attention. Yes. You're competing with all of the other stuff that people are posting on their Facebook news feed, all the other stuff in the Instagram feed, and that's your competition, basically. When you look at it that way, then it kind of really changes everything. And yeah. I want to add also that you know, having something go viral is not an excuse. Like you said, it's, it's not the, the Band-Aid. You, know, you have to have a good foundation in place, but it's something that can really accelerate and put your marketing on steroids once you understand the market, once you have your story worked out once you have a good offer. And that's how guys like Ty Lopez and John Lee Dumas, how they're able to come out of nowhere, you know, because a guy like John Lee Dumas, for example, like he already has his story, you know, as a, a former military uh, officer and a real estate work, uh, agent who was unhappy. Um, you know, he wanted a podcast that was seven days a week. He created Entrepreneur on Fire. He's got all of that, you know, down. People can really relate to that. And then, you know, he really took off once he had that foundation in place. Uh, well, so I'll add to that, particularly on Johnny Dumas, is, you know, this guy started, what, five or maybe close to 10 years ago. So, um, <laughs> and so, and he, 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 like, really put in the work to build that thing. And, and he recognized, and I remember him sharing his story, he realized that people were not doing daily podcasts, right? That they were doing weekly or monthly or whatever the frequency was. And he went, I'm going to be the guy that actually does it every day and I'm going to do it for a thousand episodes. And he went for it, you know? Um, and this is similar to if you've ever followed uh, Humans of New York and Brandon Stanton. Um, you know, his goal was to, he moved from wherever he came from, went to New York City with, with his uh, digital uh, camera, just went, I'm just going to take a thousand portraits, right? Uh, no idea how that was going to turn into any business or anything, for him, it was more like, I just love taking photos. I want to capture this city, and I want to tell a story of all the people who are living in this city. Uh, and he went and did that, and then he started. Then he found Facebook. Someone said, Brandon, you're going to put your photos on Facebook, and then, then he started to grow. Um, but 
it's it's doing the work that you you would do anyway. I know it's, it's it's a cliche now, but it's actually doing that thing that you enjoy doing. Like you know, um, John Lee Dumas loves interviewing great people. He loves doing that. You know, he loves having conversations. I know you you do as 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 do I. We love having these conversations with just inspiring people. Uh, and, and I'm doing this anyway. I'm not getting paid to do my podcast, but I just do it because I, I enjoy it. But I'm learning so much, and I'm building relationships. You know, and, and I'm getting resources and connections and I'm referring people everywhere and, and all this, this kind of stuff. So um, I'm glad you brought that up, Danny, because I think, yeah. you know, it, it's easy to skip the part where it's like, yes, he made a name of himself and these guys are doing great. Tyler's, Ty's doing awesome. Um, but it was a process for them to get to where they are now. Yeah, that's a great point. You brought, you brought up a lot of good points. Dan Norris told me that all businesses grow from conversations. And John Lee Dumas has an example. He didn't create that podcast in isolation, you know, he had a coach, he had his uh, business coach, Jamie Tardy, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, so he, you have, you guys believe that he was having a lot of these conversations with really smart people, just like you and I are having a conversation now. You never know what kind of ideas would form as a result of these types of conversations. So that's very, very important, I think. And I love it. And yeah, man, I think these conversations are kind of like the foundation for creating that uh, unique identity, you know, finding a way that you can really be unique, how you can uh, have more value than everyone else out there, how you can stand out in the marketplace. Would you agree? Is that like kind of the secret sauce? Uh, absolutely. You know, if there was a secret sauce, which isn't so secret because it's, it's out there, um, I, I, you know, I would, two couple of resources I would recommend to people listening to this. One is check out dollarbeardclub.com. You've probably heard of Dollar Shave Club, and they just got bought out by one of the major corporations. Um, but then you've got Dollar Beard Club, who were – they're like the antithesis of, of those who love to shave. These guys love to grow their beards. Um, and look at the content they create on their Facebook page, the videos that they make on YouTube, and look how they've done it. They really get their audience. Like they've done such tremendous work understanding who their audience is uh, and then creating content that speaks to that audience. If you're someone that doesn't grow a beard, you probably will look at that and go, this is ridiculous. And it is. Um, but that was deliberate. Like they actually went out and said, we're going to make the, the most ridiculous videos that we can make um, because us bearded fellas, that's what we do. <laughs> um, and that's, that turned that into a million dollar business, right? Um, I think it's more, than, it's more than that now. The second resource I would recommend is Tim Ferriss, uh, his podcast. Um, and there was one episode, I can't remember the specific number, but it was one where he talked about, uh, actually, I think he interviewed, mm, maybe it was Seth Godin. Uh, but it, he, he actually, there was one episode where he talks about, uh, actually, he was being interviewed. No, you know who it was? He was being interviewed by Chase Jarvis from Creative Live. Right, um, and and Chase asked him, "How did he become this guy? Like who he became? How did Tim Ferriss become Tim Ferriss?" And he talks about this certain principles that he followed that comes from a book that was written in like 1970 or something, um, or in the 80s. Uh, and he said, "You know, one of the things, is, you know, what you want to do is a tip for you, those of you who want to create content, is you want to basically position yourself." Um, as someone who started some kind of movement or some kind of concept, right? But you don't want to, you, you don't, you don't necessarily have to be the one who created it. For example, Tim Ferriss didn't create lifestyle design. The words lifestyle design didn't come from him. Um, it, it actually came at that time when he was starting to write for our work week. This concept was already coming through, you know? Um, but he was the one that put the book out first, right? And then became known for it. Right, um, and he made a deliberate 
intention to not go and legally register that word, those that, that phrase, and and you know copyright it and trademark it, because he understood, and this came from the principle that he learned was that you know when an idea is allowed to be owned by many, right, and it's already prevalent in society and in consciousness, right, then that's how you others will connect to what you're doing. Because if you put yourself out there as you know the the, the person or the company that is all about you know, let's say lifestyle design, right, like he did, then people will naturally come to you because it's already a movement that's happening. He didn't create the movement. It was already there, right? Like, Danny, I know that you've done a lot with couch surfing and you've used that as a concept, you know, to travel and whatever. That idea has been around for centuries. People have been traveling and backpacking and sleeping on other's couches and meeting at pubs forever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Um, I was was just thinking about this yesterday because I was reading uh, the biography of Andrew Carnegie and... um, Basically, he was a big philanthropist, and he was saying that his, his mode of philanthropy was all about uh, he wanted to build a bunch of libraries and give people the tools to better themselves. And I was thinking, you know, that's exactly what I'm doing with Open World Magazine with my podcast, is giving people the tools to better themselves. So it's not something new. This is something that Andrew Carnegie was doing 120 years ago. There you go. You just take what's already working, what's already been done, and do it in your way. And that's where, you know, we talk about branding as a concept of personal branding. Personal branding is you being you and allowing the world to see that, right? When yeah. you start when you're starting to copy other people's stuff, now you're not being you anymore. And that's where you've lost it, right? But at the uh, same time, I think that there's, I think what we're doing is we're attaching ourselves to universal values. Yes. You know, these, these values are timeless. They're not going to change. And... Um, that's exactly what Tim Ferriss did. He attached himself to values of lifestyle design, something that existed back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when he first came out, he was a four-hour workweek guy. He was the guy in the hammock who was like tango dancing and, you know, the absentee CEO. And that really hit a chord with a lot of people who were frustrated with the conventional life path. And, yeah. and I was actually thinking, you know, there was this quote that, that I've heard a couple of times that, your life changes as a result of the books you read and the people you meet. Yes. Because those are like the sources of ideas, you know, and that kind of ties together with everything that we're saying. You know, even Tim Ferriss himself got that idea from that book you mentioned that was published in the 70s. What was the name of the book? Uh, something like advertising, something. I can't remember. I, I, you have to, I wish I had it with me. But if you listen to just Google um, Tim Podcast and Chase Jarvis, um, or you can add it to your show notes, Danny, um, that episode is where they talk about it. Um, and it's a great reference point. Um, another, rec- another recommendation I'd give you is if you go to vimeo.com, which is the, you know YouTube's competitor, um, but more for creatives, um, there is if you search in Vimeo for Remix, um, and it's, it's a three-part uh, series that was created by these guys in, in somewhere in the US. Uh, and it's all about this idea that I, it's all about the concept of ideas are never new or original. We as a society continue to recycle ideas and, and they, they go out of flavor and then they come back in flavor, right? Fashion, this is how the fashion world operates. Um, and ideas are the same, right? Like, the electric car was not a new. This is not didn't just happen now. Like the idea came decades ago, right? Um, but it's time. But but there's a, this thing that happens where timing is important because the world has to be ready for that concept. Um, but in terms of remix, like this, and this relates to another concept, which is the hero's journey. I'm sure you've heard of that one, Danny. Um, which is you know the work of uh, who was here? Who did hero's journey? That was Joseph Campbell. 
uh, and he was a theologist and a, and a philosopher and he studied literally hundreds of movies and all the religious texts um, and just and and all the you know the Greek gods and mythology and he looked at that and put it all apart and said wait a minute we keep telling the same story again and again and again because the story that we keep telling and he he, he called it the hero's journey is our journey as people our journey as humans and we all share the same story which is why we love these stories these movies and these fiction, works of fiction and art because they're actually mirrors of ourselves and we see ourselves in those journeys you know and they're all metaphors for ourselves so um anyway we digress but there's a lot there for you to dig into and 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 uh yeah point being is uh, be you like really the one thing that you can really do for you know is really strip off all the layers of beliefs and things you've been taught over the years and by multiple influences and go down to well who are who who am i right who am i really and what am i really all about and then once you're there that's where you start right uh, and then that's that would be my my takeaway from this conversation for you I love it. So I kind of see it as a two-sided coin. One is being you, being unique, and then two is attaching yourself to universal values and letting that be your credo that other people can relate to. Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. Well, this, this interview is already running a bit long, and uh, it's getting quite busy here. It's almost lunchtime, so there's a lot of people passing through the lobby here. Uh, but I feel kind of excited, you know, my heart rate, you were talking about environment, you know, and how it affects you. I feel like my heart rate's been raised and I feel like I'm at like a, a wrestling match or something, you know, on location or at a soccer game. Like I feel super excited here with all these people coming and going around here. Uh, <laughs> but Love it's been, it. It's been a lot of fun, man. I've enjoyed this conversation. Likewise. Appreciate, appreciate uh, you having me on. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, before we sign off, where can people go to get more information? Where's the best way to engage with uh, you and your brand? Right on. So just head over to www.simplecreativemarketing.com uh, and that's where you'll find everything you need uh, and connect with me there.